0: Welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast presented by prep to prep along with Harold Aben and Nate Smith. I am Danny Keda. Today we're honored to be joined by a pair of heavyweights in the world of California high school sports. Eric Sondheimer is the prep sports columnist for the Los Angeles Times. He's been honored seven times by the California Prep Sports Writers Association for Best Prep Sports Column. A graduate of Cal State Northridge, he joined the Daily News as prep editor in 1980. He left for 18 months in 1990 to be West Coast Correspondent for the National Sports Daily and then returned to the Daily News in 1991 and joined the Times in 1997 covering high school sports. He has covered Southern California high school sports for more than 40 years. Eric, thanks for so much for coming on. How are you today?
1: Very good. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: And we're joined once again by Patrick Walsh, who's entering his 20th season as head coach. Well, we hope he's entering his 20th season as head coach at Sarah High School in San Mateo. His teams have won eight championships in the prestigious West Catholic Athletic League, five Central Coast Section Championships, three CIF Northern Regional titles, including this past season, and his 2017 team won the CIF State Division II AA Bowl Game Championship. Patrick is also the owner and co-founder of Next Level Sports, a sports program for young kids that includes flag football, boys and girls basketball, girls volleyball, and summer camps. And if running one of the most successful high school sports programs in California weren't enough, Patrick recently created the Golden State High School Football Coaches Community, an advocacy group that hopes to present a data-driven plea directly to Governor Gavin Newsom's office on the safety of conducting a high school football season. Patrick, great to have you on again. How are you? Hey, thanks for
2: having me. I feel honored to be here with you guys,
0: uh, Eric. Let's start with you. Uh, you know, we've you've you've obviously been in constant communication via social media with the Southern California community with respect to COVID and high school sports and. Uh, let me start with kind of an open-ended question. How would you classify the overall discourse in Southern California?
1: Well, there's a lot of frustration right now, but the surge of COVID-19 is so bad here in L.A. County, you really can't argue to want to wanna play sports at this moment. I mean, the ICU units are down to zero, according to the state. So I, as much as this 10-month has been of, of unbelievable time, I never thought it would last this many months. This really isn't the time to argue in favor of sports. Now, there will be a time, hopefully by February 1st, to do that. Uh, but at this time, it's it's kind of difficult to, to make your case when so many people are being affected negative, ne- negatively under, under the situation.
0: And, and Patrick, you know, we've actually had this discussion, I believe, we're going way back to the beginning of the pandemic, as far as um, the question that kind of comes up and maybe playing devil's advocate a little bit. But you know when you when you're posed with the question why should sports be able to take place in person when students are still not allowed in classrooms how do you respond to that
2: i can i think they can be separate i i think the complexity of running a high school with 1200 1500 3000 kids you know indoors going from class to class rubbing elbows what do we do at lunchtime i mean i just think there's there's so many complexities and there's so many different levels of of teachers, you have young teachers, you have old teachers, you have, you know, and obviously there the union and there's different, there's, there's so much complexities um, that I think it's much harder to start a school with 2,500 kids than it would be, you know, having a football game with 60 on one sideline and 60 on another, you know, with maybe a few fans in the stands. I just, I think it's, you know, it's very clear that uh, the disease is, is more rampant and spreads easier inside um you know sports majority of them or most of them we're talking about are outside playing football and um you know just right now the data doesn't point to us not playing sports outside and pat patrick i love talk a little bit
3: about that data let's talk a little bit about that data i think nate i didn't mean to interrupt you i apologize well i
4: was just gonna say you know i'll bring up i'll screen share with you guys the data so we can see it as we talk about it but um you know, one of the great things I love you bringing up as an athletic director at a school of 2700, um, yeah. I love the fact that our district has said, yes, we are we are good with starting sports seasons even before our students return to campus in hybrid mode or anything, because we recognize and our district leadership recognizes it is much easier to control a smaller yeah. athletic environment than it is a whole in school, inside the classroom environment. Right. Um, so we are really talking apples and oranges. And, and I see the argument too. We see it all over social media. How can you talk about going back to sports before kids get on campus? They're, they're two very, very different things. And they require very different approaches in my mind to, to create a safe atmosphere. Creating a safe atmosphere for sports, especially outside, especially if we're not having fans is completely different than creating a safe atmosphere for kids sitting in classrooms for 60 to 90 minutes at a time. With a teacher and rotating through classrooms. So, um, but let's get to that data and and I am going to pull up and and share these um, documents that Patrick has been so great and with the group uh, for getting these you know getting these ready. And so the first one I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up is just the workout COVID data. Um, and I'm gonna well, actually, Danny, you're gonna have to be the um, let me take back over here. So as the, give 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 me the host back.
2: Yeah, Uh, and and as we're as we're working through that, I mean, let me I'll email that in a second,
3: you know, while we're while we're doing that, you know, one of the things, particularly football, okay, one one of the things we've talked about with some of the uh, section and CIF officials, if football is going to be played, it can't be played with no fans. Okay. Parents have to be allowed to attend those games because of the risk of injury and, and liability and stuff. And so that, that, that seems to be a concern too, because if the parents have to, I mean, if they can't, if they, if they say we could start with no fans, then it's, it looks to me like a non-starter. So, I mean, I- Well,
2: well let's, let's talk about reality here. So if there's, if, let's say we have our biggest team we've ever had at Sarah, that's 70. And you take a pretty small environment like we have at Sarah High School, at uh, brady family stadium we could easily place 140 human beings 70 of them let's say uh, are couples right so they can sit next to each other because they're in the same household and easily distance them throughout the stadium at sarah high school easily so i don't understand like i don't agree with that the concept that we can't figure this out the thing is is common sense can drive a lot of these decisions. We can we can figure it out 100%. If we have a referee shortage, I, I will wear a zebra shirt and I will referee games on Saturdays to make sure kids play this year. I promise I will, you
3: that. I have a whistle. I will too. <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, I mean, I'm a little bit younger than you though, Harold. I'm just going to throw that out there.
4: Hey, and Patrick, I'm
3: sure you're just like my head football
4: coach who has said he'll be more than happy on a Friday to go out to the bleachers with me and put X's where people are allowed to sit to space them out. Um, you know, we'll go, we'll we'll walk the stadium every Friday afternoon and do that if that's what it takes. Well, well and
0: Eric, I'm sorry, Eric. I was just going to ask you if you could speak to kind of the 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 tone in Southern California because I mean, it seems like from the beginning it's it's, it's always been. I've always felt I, like I, it's much 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 more serious in Southern California than in Northern California.
1: I'm glad you guys are coming up with these ideas, but you have to remember they wouldn't even allow fans in the 80,000 seat Rose Bowl. So they had to move that game to Texas. So I don't see how you're gonna get any fans into high school games, especially in LA County where they they've just been so serious on on the cutdown. And so personally, I think LA County is different than everywhere else. It's the highest right now. And I don't know how they're gonna ever get football going. Uh, right now the state says it's in the orange tier and believe me, I, I trust the high schools to do conditioning and practicing safely. I, I've been to the high schools. I've seen their apps work. I've seen the kids get tested for their temperatures and, and the trainers that are, the schools that have trainers, they do an unbelievable job. So I have no doubt that that can be done. It's convincing the, the, the health departments in the counties to let it happen. And Right now, it's the wild, wild west. The club programs are ignoring the guidelines and just doing it. And I have no idea if anybody's being affected by it. Or you have the high schools. I trust the high schools.
3: Trust is an important word, okay? I mean, we trust people like Patrick, people like Nate. We trust them with our young people for 200 and some odd days out of the year. And they seem to do a pretty good job it's a matter of trust. I think trust is the most important word. Anyway, we've got the stats up there. So why don't we get into those?
0: Yeah. Patrick, you want to walk us through this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this is basically the fruits of the labor of, um, you know, kind of the journey that I took back in late December when the writing was on the wall, that it wasn't clear that anybody was going to step up and really lead the charge on getting these kids back on the field. So I got on the phone And I called the uh, Texas High School Coaches Association, which has 400,000 members. And I asked them, what's the playbook? What's the game plan? How did you get football back? You know, they're playing their 16th game this weekend. You know, how did it go? So the first thing they did was they allowed workouts to happen. And what they did is they tracked their workout data. And they said bringing the kids on the campus, doing it safely, you know, having some parameters in their social distancing workouts and other things. Is it—is it safe? Is it a safe thing to do? And, and we've done that now in California. And we've collected that data with a bunch of great people, uh, a bunch of great coaches that have joined the Golden State High School football coaches community now. Uh, we have close to 700 coaches in our group and 251 different uh, schools have reported and tracked the data that most of them, most of us have been doing since uh, May or June. Um, and if you can look at the data here, uh, I think it's very important too that we get into this. The whole goal here is to is to understand that in LA County and everywhere else, kids are being affected by these decisions, and they're not being. This is not positive for kids. There's a whole another sheet that shows the mental health issues that our kids are going through right now. You know, as a De La Salle Spartan in 1992, if I was going through this in the spring or summer of my senior year, I would be on a watch list. I might, I would tell my parents I'm in the deepest amount of despair and in a strange way, I'm fighting for that 17 year old boy that, that I know the feelings I would have then as I am for 17 boy, year old boys now. Okay. So we've, we've sampled over 19,630 different athletes have been reported. Okay. Um, and if you look down at the second box, 933,895 workouts have, have occurred with these singular kids on campuses, at 251 campuses, almost a million workouts, which is great. And I'm, we're super grateful that the state and counties even allowed us to do this because I do know it knew in many sections and many, divi- uh, districts that they're not even doing this. Okay. So at the very least, I want to say this publicly at the very least. Uh, Coach Joe Bates at Skyline High School hasn't seen his kids on campus since March 10th, 2020. And for kids who live in Oakland, California, they need guys like Coach Bates. At the very least, if anything happens from this, this workout data should prove to districts and counties and, and other areas like Oakland that aren't letting their kids on a campus at all that that needs to change immediately. For so the Patrick,
3: good- Patrick based on this you're you're, these numbers it's looking like out of 933,895 workouts there were only nine positive cases out of all of those correct that's that's a
2: pretty low number it's pretty low and then there's the coaches right and all of us range you know some of us are skinny and fit and some of us are not and some of us are old and some of us are young and You know, I think coaches are, you know, particularly football coaches, we want to be with the kids. That's why we got into this business. So if you look, we have almost 3,000 different coaches who have gone on these campuses. Um, There have been 187 reports of COVID, which is less than 6.5%. Two total positive cases attributed to the workouts conducted on school campus. So these coaches aren't coming to campus. The point is, players are not coming on campus, bringing COVID and or coming on campus and getting COVID and leaving with it. What happens is is the 187 reports of COVID or the 400 or the 522 reports of COVID in the top box from the athletes, these are coming from other places. If you look down in the bottom right-hand corner, 98.5% of COVID cases were traced elsewhere, traveling, family gatherings, that sort of things. For us, this proves that students coming on campus for our workouts is safe and so, there's, there's really no arguing that
3: so eric i mean down in southern california i mean you've got you've got a real dichotomy down there i mean you've got the los angeles city section which has been you know la has been hit really hard by the COVID, and then you've got orange county and these other areas that are pushing hard to open up i mean how how is this going to shake out down there? Is there any I mean, we're going to talk about the NCS in a minute because they just had a big meeting and Nate is going to fill us in on what happened there. But down south, I mean, you've got a real dichotomy, and then you've got the inland empire too. I mean, how can this
1: shake out? Well, the Los Angeles Unified School District obviously is the biggest around, and they've been doing testing. They've been doing testing and it, it rose dramatically among students that were taking that test. And that's one reason why they, they shut down uh, the workouts that they were allowing briefly in November. Uh, they're far behind, they're fighting. The unions want safety if they come back. So uh, seriously, I don't really see LA County going anywhere. I see other counties that maybe have, will have a chance to, to perhaps uh, give it a try. But first they have to get out of the stay at home order. Then each county would be able to break out among the south because right now in LA, LA is, is grouped in with Ventura and Orange County and Riverside and San Bernardino. So when they break away, it'll be based on the local things going on. And the same thing is happening in Northern California. So that will happen, I think at the end of the month, as soon as the, the uh, ICUs are above capacity, above 15%, that will happen. So we're, we're gonna eventually get there at some point. But I mean, I think those stats are, are very uh, encouraging. Um, but I don't know if they will make the 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 people change their minds. Unfortunately, I, I'm I'm not optimistic that the governor is going to change his mind based on that. But Patrick is very very uh, uh, authoritative and 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 does, makes people uh, change their mind. Is what I hope. Well,
0: Eric, I have, you mentioned he's uh,
3: sending this podcast to Governor Newsom, uh, <laughs> and you know I, ha- I have some history with the governor uh, with his wife and so oh you know, oh oh oh, oh easy
0: no, no, no. she, was, she was,
3: might she was, not help our cause Harold. Basketball. <laughs> she was a student at branson and her father was uh, the the girls basketball coach and i'm a girls basketball guy so i you know i mean i have some history with them and you know i these numbers are good and you know we want to talk about the ncs okay the before, before
0: you get before i'm sorry Harold. before you get into because we will talk, talk about the ncs but i wanted to ask eric one thing because he, he mentioned he, he alluded ahead. to the fact that he he felt like or he said that he he trusts kind of the judgment of high school coaches and in in that whole uh that whole thing as far as trusting the, their ability to to handle the situation um and, and I wanted to talk to you about the discourse because you know, I've seen some of your. I follow you on Twitter. You're a great follow, by the way. Um, but I, I, some of the discourse surrounding club club activity uh, down in Southern California and and travel teams and that kind of thing. I just wanted if you could summarize sort of what that's discourse has been like and and what your role has been in uh, you know, mediating it or, or moderating it or however you think your role has been in that.
1: It's the like the. Uh... The Colosseum in Rome, the gladiators competing is what it's all about. There's people who are on one side and the other people who aren't are on the other side. And the the club people think that they're helping the kids avoid uh, suicide and everything while breaking state guidelines. And the others are trying to follow rules and and feel like it's a safety issue involved. And and the, the club people are charging lots of money for the parents to go do it because they're playing football right now. It it costs a lot of money for equipment and other things and they're still doing it. Uh, Personally, I I don't believe that you should be breaking state guidelines. That's why it's important what Patrick is trying to do is to get them to change the guidelines and so forth. And uh, the high schools are following the guidelines. They locked up the gyms, they locked up the the, uh, football fields. Nobody has been on campuses because they're following the rules and that's my pet peeve. Why are we not rewarding those people who are following the rules? Why are the people who are breaking the rules and benefiting from this? That, that is what I cannot understand and, and, and it frustrates me to no end.
3: And it should, and, and it also shuts out all the underserved kids. Okay, like the, all, the, all these kids in the Los Angeles city section whose parents don't have the money to pay for equipment and camps and showcases and all this stuff. And and we've been covering, I I must say, we've been covering them, okay. But it bothers me that the underserved kids are left in the cold.
1: That really There's bothers. There's definite me. Definite, inequity, definite inequity underway. The damage is there. I don't know how we're going to overcome this for a year if we don't get back soon. Um, I I agree, but it's it's a right now it's a no win situation, and I I hope things get better. That's the only way. That people are going to get back on the on the field.
0: And, and before we get into the NCS discussion here, Patrick, I wanted to ask you because I, mean, I know football plays a, a special role. I think in high school sports, it's it's unique as, as sports go, even within high school, um, because you know Nate, Nate alluded to it earlier. It's a year round endeavor, and you you alluded to Coach Bates, who you know we've had on the podcast before, and we know what what a great influence he is on young men. But can you just speak to the the, the damage that that, people, that kids in particular are missing um, uh, by, by, not, not, by not having, I mean, you, you alluded to Coach Bates earlier, but just the, the, the damage that's being done to these kids that don't have the structure of uh, football practice and games on Friday night.
2: Well, sitting here today on the 14th of January, it's, um, there's still an inkling of hope for a lot of kids. I would say for the majority of kids, because we are not out of time. And being a football coach, knowing that you can win a game late, you can win a game in the fourth quarter, we still have hope that, that um, common sense is going to pre- prevail on this. and And hopefully data and science will allow these kids to get back with the mentors and people that they belong with. So there's still hope. With that said, as 2020, March, April, May 2020 was like an earthquake or a tsunami that just kind of came and shook everybody up. This is a hurricane event right now. This is, a, this is a hurricane event. The, the hurricane has been spinning since March, okay, as it relates to our, our thing here. And it's right on the coast. And this, I think, will be a greater disaster. As sad as last spring was, there was, there wasn't enough information to fully gather it. This will be a greater disaster because the data simply does not support these kids not being on the field with their coaches. It doesn't support it. And I get it. I understand it. It doesn't support it. We're talking about a kindergartner through an 18 year old in high school, zero of them and all of the families have no choice, zero choice of playing a youth sport in this, in this state. No choice. And that's not right. Particularly when the data points to the fact that it is safe to put these kids in these environments. And I think the hurricane and the hope, you know, I've, I've seen anxiety. I've seen, I've talked to kids, kids have lost scholarships, you know, kids have lost opportunities in California. That is a fact. I mean, that hurricane's already hit. You know, the class of 2021 did not get film to show colleges and a lot of guys that had that could have upped their stock or maybe even got into that stock. I mean, David Bakhtiari, who I talked to you on a Zoom call two days ago, didn't play a down of football until his senior year for me. He's a hundred and ten million dollar left tackle, the best in the game. Hall of Fame left tackle, but blocking for Aaron Rodgers. What would his life be like without his without his senior year? These things are now happening. And if we can't get these kids on the field for six games, seven games, at some point uh, in this, in this calendar year, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, that's why I'm fighting because if the despair would be so great amongst so many kids. I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. If I know that me and other coaches who think just like me didn't do anything for these kids. And, and I have- think,
0: and I think speaking for the run of the mill athlete, in addition to the elite athlete, that there's, the, it, I think this, this kicking the can down the road has been really difficult. I think it's from a mental standpoint, because you know when we had that initial ruling that with the two seasons laid out, with with the with the, the so-called fall sports being moved to season one in January, and then now that being kicked down the road, I think there is this sort of sense of of, of hopelessness and desperation, and I, and I'm I'm sure I can speak for a lot of players and families that are they really fighting to have sports that they really appreciate the efforts that that you're t- that you're taking into uh, or that you're doing, Patrick, um, and, and to, to make I, this I, happen. I... I
2: want to say something on, on Eric's point. I want to see the data that, that shows that what we're presenting is unsafe. I, I want to see the data for, for the kid. for I want to see hardcore empirical data from the 35 other states and everyone else who's played. I want to see that the data that proves this is unsafe, including in the city of LA, okay? There's other health data and metrics too that are happening here, okay? We know this disease is not hitting kids at this age as hard as it is an 85-year-old man or woman with comorbid morbidities and and other issues. We know this now. This isn't March 15th, 2020. Okay? So putting kids on a field, right? And and with coaches who are choosing to be there in multiple sports or youth sports organizations or little league baseball, I think all little league baseball operators would have a choice would go on the, would go in a dugout and or Play somewhere and coach little league baseball. Okay, show me the data that that's unsafe. I will also show data when we're done with it. We're in the final stages of it. That choosing not to play is unsafe for these kids. It's totally unsafe. They're losing. They're losing their hope. And the, the minute they lose hope altogether, then this we're gonna have a real problem on our hands. And I don't want that for our kids.
3: I have to agree. I mean, it's not just about. It's not just about those student athletes that are going to make a hundred million dollars okay True. about it's about the boys the everyday boys and girls that need to be able to exercise and play the sports they love because it's it's essential to not only their physical but their mental health also and we're all suffering because of it.
2: Right. I'm gonna grab this. As far Perfect. as
3: again, with respect to the NCS uh, in the last two three days we've had some big decisions I mean the governor did relent uh, we've got a 13 county Sacramento metro area that's now gone into the purple uh, and the NCS has made uh, some decisions today and so Nate I want to turn to you on that.
4: Well before that I just want to say to everybody that I hope that people are listening to the collective voice. And, you know, Eric referenced it with what he's seen from, you know, the, the schools being that, that safe haven opposed and following the rules as opposed to what else is going on out there and that being rewarded. Patrick, you're laying out all the data that, that we need to know. And the other part, and Harold, you mentioned the equity piece. The other piece with that becomes, especially if we're talking about football, becomes the urgency piece. Because the one thing that the CIF, and each of its sections will not be able to budge on this year. Is that April 17th end date? And that was made clear in our executive committee meeting today. It's made clear in all the correspondence that if we want to start a fall 2021 season, that April 17th date is going to hold firm based on that recommendation from the Sports Medicine Advisory Council. And so
3: that's with that the being said, That's the executive committee of the North Coast section that met today
4: yes but that's but the april 17th date is a cif one um and i know eric i've seen you mention that a number reference that a number of times as well and patrick i know you're well aware of that and that's one of those things where that's where that urgency comes in that's where the tiers really do need to be adjusted for what's safe for football and other sports and let's be honest if we let football lead the way a lot of other sports are going to be happy to ride the coattails of that in into those better tiers um But so that has to happen because we need to be able to start a a realistic, you know, look on the field with kids, you know, by by mid-February to get that season in that we're hoping for. Um, In the NCS today, one of the big things um, that happened was the season of sport is basically now, and it was adopted by the executive committee going to the board of managers in two weeks, is that the season of sport is now one season, February 1st to June 5th or 12th and that there are no no schools from the NCS will be competing for section, state or regional championships and that every league within the section is going to create its own calendar or seasons of sport. Um, They will be sending these to the NCS for review in the next few weeks. And that as soon as counties come off the stay at home order, um, anytime February 1st or after, as soon as counties come off the stay at home order and are just in the purple, they, they can start seasons of sport with what's been approved. Um, you know, there's some other, you know, language in there referencing possible number of maximum weeks for sports seasons, all that, that still has to be ironed out by the board of managers. But the simple gist is that, you know, they basically said, okay, we have so many counties, so many different schools here in varying regions that we are gonna sacrifice, we're gonna give up our championships this year, and we're gonna give up our own structure and each league can do their own. And that was a unanimous decision by the executive committee uh, to, you know, a pretty unanimous decision by the executive committee that's going to the board of managers. So we're, it's reasonable to you know assume that it'll pass through the board of managers. Um, and in fact, there was already a letter out tonight uh, regarding the details of it and discussing now the fact that leagues need to come up with their schedules that they're going to look to move forward with. And obviously as of right now, unless until those tiers adjust, you know, going on the recommendation that you put together, you know, based on the tiers. Cause if you're in, for instance if you're in the greater Sacramento region and you're an AD up there in a school and a league you're scrambling to get your schedules put together right now cause you could potentially start in a couple of weeks all of a sudden.
3: Well, you know, and I mean, what's happened is we're, as we've kicked this can down the road it's contracted, it's contracted. There weren't, the first there weren't gonna be any CIF regional or state games now all of a sudden the north coast section is the leader in abandoning its section playoffs but i understand well, this we're going to
4: hear a lot you know, coming out of this the cif all the section commissioners met tuesday with the <laughs> cif executive committee and basically what everybody got coming out of that was every section pretty much going to go their own way exactly and they need to do that for this year and so we're going to hear a wide range of things discussed and coming out from all the, from the 10 different executive committees, you know, over the next couple of days.
3: So at this point for football, we're looking at the most like four or five games, but you know what, Patrick, would you be satisfied with four or five games?
2: I, I, yes, I definitely would. And I, I think, you know, it's just kind of my nature to push back on things. I, I, this is a once in a a lifetime, once in a hundred year pandemic. And for the CIF to, to say there's no movement on the front end of the schedule, while I, I respect the CIF and what they're going through, um, and they have to deal with a lot of different, uh, you know, moving parts There's 813,000 kids who play in the CIF, um, a little bit of leeway there and maybe some some thought on that. I think a lot of us, I think our coaches would vote. The more time we get, we would accept that to so we can move away from this date that Eric's talking about. Like, we don't want to play right now. We get we don't want to play right now. That's not the time. But we need more time. So I, this is a once in a 100-year, 200-year deal. And it's like, why, why, why can't the CIF move the start date just a little bit a week? One week would, would be better. Okay, that would get us to the two weeks would get us to the end of May. We're stuck on April 17th. I mean... You, you know i i think i'd give up a bye week i'd give up whatever it, it takes in the fall to get a couple extra weeks right now
4: and patrick we used to not even start games until after labor day before i, I mean it's, it's we can go back long. to that
2: yeah i i agree with i agree with you on that i i think it's way too long anyway
0: yeah i think i mean i i think i uh, we, we mentioned this on this podcast i think a few months ago that you know they're really The the idea of a calendar should kind of be thrown out the window this year. Honestly, I think that, um, you know, you have the, the, okay, the drop dead date to finish sports is okay, graduation, right, or whatever kids are starting to transition out of high school. But, um, you know, if you played a game this Friday, and then you had another game in three weeks, because that's the safest time to play the next game, I think. You, I think I agree with you, Patrick. I think there there has to be that kind of flexibility to deal with this, you know, once in a lifetime situation. So, right.
1: Um, I talked to an athletic director today. The Southern Section is going to announce on Tuesday that they're dropping all their championships too for the fall. For the fall. So that'll give more schools uh, flexibility to schedule around that. But I talked to an athletic director today, and he does not want to lose hope for his athletes. He says. April 17th, that's the final day we are going to try and play. If it takes one game, we're going to play one game. That's all it takes. He is going to try to find a way to let his players play something in football this year, whether it's the last day of the the whole thing or not at all. Only on April 18th will he give up hope. So that's what I think a lot of people are going to do. I'm encouraged that he said that. He's not giving up hope. But it could be like one or two games. That's it. But if it's one or two games, it's better than no games. So, I think we just have to keep going and and try to hope that things get better. Some of these counties will be better.
2: And and that's why that's why I think it's important to release our, ourselves from the from the tier system as much as we can, because we are we are bound by the tier system, and the tier system. Um, Doesn't even match what Governor Newsom has stated for what he thinks is safe to open up schools from his health department. What he stated a few weeks ago, I don't know the exact date, was that he feels counties or schools should be open um, at 28 cases per 100,000, which is four times the amount than what we're proposing right now uh, to play football, which is safer than being inside. So I, I don't, I feel like we're so ingrained in the tier system that we're not being, we're going down a tunnel and it's just, this is what it has to be. And, and Eric, I appreciate exactly what you're saying where I'm not giving up hope, but but you know, if we're tied to the orange tier, then yeah, we might play one game, right? But it's safe to play in the red tier. And I think it's safe to play in the purple tier. Okay, maybe not right now, but I think it's safe to play in multiple different tiers. The 35 states that did play high school football were not worried about a tier system. They weren't tied to a tier system, which is arbitrary numbers at this point relative to sport. I want to get away from those numbers. I want to get us into the numbers that actually are are responsive to the numbers of actually playing you sports. Okay. And that's where I think if we can, if we can in the people in the la city county and, and maybe i'm off base or whatever but if we can d- d- distance ourselves from the tiers or we can present data which then there's two sheets i got it we got another sheet it's the back page where it's the, the what the other states have done and if we can get to a point where we can get away from that or at least shift tiers or even into what governor newsom is suggesting for in-person school 28 per 100,000, then that those dates will change let me, let me, let me ask,
0: let me ask each of you a, a big picture question, if I could, uh, Patrick, and I understand there's, a, there's, and I don't know how much you're involved in this, but I know there's a, there's a bunch of rallies happening tomorrow, I believe, um, to, to you know, let them play rallies in California, but what is, what is the next step? I mean, you've, you you've gathered some data, just walk us through kind of what are the next steps and what, how are you going to make this, or how is your organization going to make this uh, argument now, you know, to hopefully all the way to the governor's office?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, my, my thing is basically this one plus one plus one equals three simple math.
0: Okay. We
2: have data that proves in in the state of California when following proper protocols and working with, with local governments that we can execute uh, workouts safely across the state of California to the point where the, the, the spread of COVID is almost nothing. Okay. We're asking for the next step just with our own data. We now have data from, which is the second one plus one is the data from the entire country. You know, 40, 40 uh, states played something in the fall, okay? We're an outlier here. We're in the red. We're living in this. We have a border that separates us from other people's reality, okay? So, and, and there's other stats down there that we can make we can make public tonight or whenever you guys want to at the bottom of the of the, of the calendar or of the map. Okay, and then those two things I'm hoping prove to the governor and the decision makers that what we're doing and what we are asking to do, we can do it safely. We'll eliminate club football. We'll eliminate travel. We'll keep everything in the community because the kids want to play for us. They don't want to be jumping on planes going to Arizona. They'd rather be with us and our coach and do it the right way with the high schools like Eric's talking about. He doesn't understand why the bandits are getting rewarded and the good people that are trying to do it the right way are not. Okay. Well, we can change all of this by allowing new sports to happen soon. Okay. Finally. So if, if that's safe, if we can agree that it's safe or safer, nothing's perfect. Okay. But if we can agree that it's safe or safer, and then we can add on top of that, that the mental health data is showing that it's unsafe to have kids locked in their garages, staring at computers. They have no outlet they're already miserable in schools, zoom classroom, any educator that says the best thing ever happened to school is distance learning is, is out of their minds. Okay. Learning behind a computer is a disaster. And I have two boys that you can sit here with me for eight hours a day and watch them languishing behind their zoom calls. And Sarah high school is doing a great job of it. I applaud them for what they're doing. We actually are, we're actually on campus. Okay. Which is we're one of the few people in the Bay area that's actually doing that because they understand that we need to get kids on campus. I applauded by administration for it. But then we turn around and on top of that, throw the fact that we're not gonna even allow you to go compete. We're not gonna allow you to go out and play. We're not gonna even allow you to go out in some places to even work out. That is unsafe. And as a matter of fact, I think we're neglecting a whole generation of kids. Okay, there's mental, there's there's health data on the COVID side. And then there's other, there's other health issues that are happening in this world right now. Okay, we know that COVID-19 does not affect kids as much as it does other other things. But we know the impact of COVID-19 is, is impacting these kids' health on a grand level. And if we add all those things together, I would love to walk into the governor's office. My goal would be to meet with the governor face-to-face. This is our goal, okay? Let them play. You mentioned the rallies, that's a parent-led thing, okay? Well, I, I don't have anything to do with the rallies. That That's a parent-led thing. Their parents are, are voicing their concerns for their kids, what I just talked about, okay? but the let them play group is now 35,000 people strong that want to have a voice as well for their kids, parents. So between the coaches and parents voicing their concerns, it's really happening on a daily basis here. Hopefully cooler hedger prepare prevail. And we can either eliminate the color system to give more flexibility to the sections in the leagues, or at the very least shift everything up. So we'll have a better chance of actually playing, giving us what Eric would like to call more hope. We need more hope. Okay. That's, that's what I, that's my end, that would be our end goal for the coaches in the state of California.
0: And Eric, you know, you're obviously a hugely influential figure down in the Southern California high school sports scene. So I'm going to, I'll pose this kind of a theoretical question to you. If you, if you could rule by dictate what, what should happen in Southern California over the next, you know, few weeks here, and you could uh, whether it's giving advice or just sort of ruling or taking charge of this whole uh, situation down in Southern California. Uh, what would you like to see done?
1: I'd just like to see people getting back on the field to practice and work out and condition and prepare for the time where they can actually play. And if the stats show it, then they should be allowed to play because the high school people will come through with the safety protocols and do well. But there's, as uh, as Patrick said and others, there's this inequity issue. And L-A-U- and there's uh, not what he said. He said there's complex issues. And one of those complex issues is the difference between teachers and unions and getting kids into classrooms. And the LAUSD superintendent made it clear in November, if it's not safe enough to be in a classroom, it's not safe enough to play sports. So all those poor kids are out. You know, that's there's not, no that's way. That's not that that based on science, though, good.
2: Eric. That's not based I, on I science.
1: That. I'm just telling you what he said, uh, and and that's the issue. And then you have a very powerful union, UTLA, that is that doesn't want to get their teachers in until everything is perfect, and and that's where we're at in Los Angeles. And I don't see it changing. So, I, and I feel for the kids, you know, Crenshaw High, Dorsey High, that some of the greatest athletes in the history of this state, and they're they're not going to be able to play. It's it, it's kind of it's sad, and I don't have an answer for this. I I appreciate everybody doing what they can, but we're stuck here in this political science, whatever is going on here. And um, I, 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 I hope some counties are able to play and maybe parents will be able to move their kids to other places if that's what it takes to get them to play.
4: So. And Patrick mentioned as well, you referenced it with Oakland. San Francisco's in the same boat as Oakland. And so is West Contra Costa. And being at a school where we have the majority of our teams out there two to three days a week, you know, working out, practicing and really trying to do it, working to do it safely to show it can be done. And we have proven it can be done repeatedly for months now dating back to June. Um, It it would be great to see every school district get on board and Eric, you hit a lot of nails on the head there with the approach that is stifling sometimes the common sense like Patrick has discussed with what's safe to get back and what we can do for kids. I I have almost half my kids check in with me daily on zoom calls talking about their daily depression that they're battling because they can't get out there and do what they need to do to be healthy. And I think those are the things that we also need to look at. And you guys have all mentioned it. Um, You know, I'm preaching to the choir with this one, but um, for the health of our kids and for each district, um, I, I hope they look at what's best for kids when these decisions are being made.
3: Hopefully, hopefully this, this podcast is going to have a positive impact uh, on moving things forward. And, you know, Eric Stonheimer, six decades of covering high school sports in California. Uh, Patrick Walsh, two decades, the winningest coach in the history of Sarah football and a storied program. Great to have you guys on here. and. Your opinions are very, very valuable, and, and we thank you so much. Danny, do you have a last word for
0: well, us? Well, Harold, you said you, this is going straight to the governor's wife, so yeah. you, you've committed to this done. now. So right, It's done. It's done. Problem solved. You, you
3: have the
2: pathway to the
3: office. Right there, you
0: know. <laughs> Problem solved.
3: Well, I don't know about a pathway, but <laughs> we'll, we'll do what we can.
0: Thank you. Well, we really appreciate Eric Sondheimer. Really appreciate you coming on you. and Patrick Walsh. Um, it's great having you on again and, and, and best of luck in, in, in your endeavors going forward. And hopefully we can see you guys in action um, in the next few weeks here. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: Before we sign off, I just wanted to share some of the data from the statistics that uh, Coach Walsh presented to us. Uh, 34 states have already successfully finished their football season, according to the NFHS. of states who started the football season played through their championship games. Uh, 857 out of 910, so that's 94% of games in Arizona, football games were contested. And a study in Michigan showed that of the over 6,000 student athletes who participated in sports, in high school sports, only 0.4% tested positive for COVID. And uh, 30%, 30 states have already started their basketball season. So we just wanted to share those before we signed off. So once again, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Beyond the Game podcast. Once again, we would like to thank our guests, Eric Sondheimer of the Los Angeles Times and Patrick Walsh of Sarah High School Football in San Mateo for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to the Prep to Prep Beyond the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. And don't forget to visit us at prep2prep.com and follow us on Twitter at Prep to Prep Sports and Instagram at Prep to Prep. For all of us at Prep to Prep, thanks so much for tuning in.